Welcome everyone to the Derek Diamond Experience Podcast, episode 136, and today you'll be hearing my conversation with voice actor Mr. Bob Bergen. But first, let me tell you about our proud sponsor, Audible. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Just go to audibletrial.com slash nerdcave for a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial. They have over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. And without further ado, here is my conversation with Mr. Bob Bergen. You're listening to the Nerd Cave Network. Hey, everybody. This is voice actor Bob Bergen. And you're listening to the, the, the Derek Diamond Experience, folks. Sitting here with my very special guest this week, voice actor Mr. Bob Bergen. Bob, how are you, sir? I am doing great, my friend. Thank you. Oh, no, thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much for taking the time to do this. I know we've both had a little bit of a, a wacky schedule with uh, with getting this together, but hey, we're here now, and I can't wait to talk with you. Oh, my pleasure. You've been very patient. Now, I wanted to start off by asking you a little bit about yourself personally. I know you currently live on the West Coast, but are you originally from there? Originally from St. Louis, and we lived there till I was eight. Then my dad moved the family to Cincinnati, and then my dad moved the family to Los Angeles when I was fourteen. So, did you grow up in a, a military family from moving? No, around no, so no. My dad, no, no, not at all. My dad was in sales, and uh, his hometown was St. Louis. But uh, I think what happened was that they had a family business that went under, and uh, he just found a better job in Cincinnati, and. The same thing happened when he moved to L.A., but I had no problem with my dad moving to Los Angeles because I would have made my, my way here myself uh, anyway, but the fact that he did it for me was very helpful. Uh, I'm sure it was, and I'm sure, you know, moving from, you know, St. Louis to Cincinnati and then going to Los Angeles, you kind of get that Midwest feel. You grow up there a little bit, and then you move over to the West Coast, so getting to live in multiple places is kind of cool. Pretty much, yeah. The only thing I miss is, you know, and people are going to find this crazy, but I, I miss winter. I don't miss, you know, shoveling sidewalks and whatnot, but waking up and seeing that the snow has been falling and everything's white, I, I kind of miss that. L.A.'s pretty, but pretty gets boring. I live in Florida, so trust me, I totally understand. Oh, there you go. There you go. Enough said. So growing up, did you know from an early age that you wanted to be a voice actor? Yeah, I, and, and, and specifically, I, I told my parents when I was five that I wanted to be Porky Pig, so this was always uh, a, a dream and a passion. Oh, so you knew right away like what specific character that you wanted to be. That's that's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, I didn't necessarily want to be an actor or want to be in the world of doing cartoons. I had a real specific character in mind, which you know, it's not a realistic goal per se. But um, I, you know, when you're a kid, you don't look at realities and statistics. You just kind of just go for it. Oh, sure, sure. Now, growing up, were you a huge Looney Tunes fan, or were you just you know a big fan of just animation in general? I was I was definitely a huge Looney Tunes fan. Um, I used to I used to tape record you know my little cassette recorder cartoons, and I had a library full of them, and I would learn them and memorize them. But I was a fan of all animation. I loved the Fleischer Popeye cartoons. I loved Speed Racer. Um, I was you know the, I was five when Sesame Street started, so that was kind of made for my my generation, um, and I love Saturday morning cartoons, you know, the Hanna-Barbera, Scooby-Doo's, and uh, Johnny Quest, so I was just a big fan of all things cartoons. 
Yeah, I was the same way, you know, growing up watching Looney Tunes and other cartoons on on Saturday mornings. And I think that's really, you know, kids today don't really have a way to to kind of experience that like we did. Well, there is. It's just on 24-7. I mean, if they want to watch the classic stuff, they've got Boomerang. Disney Channel, Nickelodeon, Cartoon Network, we're talking 24-7 cartoons where we had to wait till Saturday morning or, you know, after school cartoons for a couple of hours. So there's more product out there than ever. And, you know, kids today can go to YouTube and watch anything and everything from, you know, current stuff to classic stuff. So they really have more at their fingertips than they did before. And, you know, let's, let's face it, back in the 70s and 80s, if it was a Saturday morning cartoon, uh, unless you were kind of obsessed like me, tape recording them, you didn't have access to seeing them again until they re-ran. So it really actually is a better time now for people to absorb all kinds of animation. Yeah, that's that's true. I you know I'm I'm meaning that you know kids don't really understand like the whole anticipation of you know having to wait until Saturday morning like we did. You know, waiting throughout the week and then. You know, you wake up early and you watch cartoons from, was it, 7 in the morning until noon. It was more of a ritual back then for Saturday morning. Your parents were still sleeping. You poured the Captain Crunch and you're just, you know, in front of that TV for a few hours. I, I get that. Now, growing up, you know, being a huge fan of, of voice acting and being a voice actor now, did you have any influences or anyone that you, you know, really idolized as a kid? Well, certainly Mel Blanc, uh, for obvious reasons, but, you know, I was very, um, I don't know, uh, studious when it came to animation. I looked at the credits, and I saw, uh, and, I, and I knew of, before I even moved to L.A., the names like, names like June Foray and Frank Welker and Michael Bell. Um, uh, so when I moved here, I kind of knew the players just because I cared. And, you know, this is before VCRs where you could freeze frame and, and look at credits. I would have a, you know, pencil and pad and write down as fast as I could the names I would see in the, in the, in the cartoon credits, and they went very fast. But, um, you know, commercially, uh, Casey Kasem, uh, n- names I learned later because I, I knew the voices back then, but I, I knew, I found out who Don LaFontaine was. I found out who... Danny Dark was and Ernie Anderson and you know the legends in the voiceover industry, but because it was something I was really passionate about, it was just a fun, a fun process to learn this. And I think the fact that you know you say you 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 learned all these different voice actors' names during that time, and I've always had this philosophy that if you're really passionate about something you take the time to learn everything you can about it. So I think that really speaks to like how dedicated you were to, to becoming a voice actor. Sure, you know, commercials don't have credits, but they have recognizable sounds. So, you know, it took the Internet for people to be able to really learn the players in, in any industry. You can just Google something and find out, you know, IMDB or uh, just you know, Wikipedia, who does what. Back then... I'd be like, okay, that's the same guy doing this commercial as this commercial, and I wonder who that is. And, and you know, when we moved to L.A., I just started meeting the players and studying voiceover, and that's really how I got to learn the people behind the voices. So now that you live out in Los Angeles, you've decided that you, from an early age you want to be a voice actor. How did you get into the acting business? 
Um, I, I pretty much knew I wanted to be Porky Pig, so I thought, well, let me just call Mel Blank and see if it's available. Can I take his job? <laughs> so I, I found his, it's a long story, but I found his number in the phone book under his wife's name, and I called him up. And I actually taped the conversation. If you go to my website, I have a page called Cool Clips. You can hear 14-year-old me calling Mel Blank, um, which is completely illegal. Folks, you're not supposed to tape people without them knowing. But I think I, I think it's okay. It's been for almost 40 years since I did that, so I think I'm past the statute of limitations. Um, during the course of the conversation, he mentioned the name of the studio he was working at that week. He didn't say the day or the time, but he mentioned the name. So when I hung up from him, I called the studio pretending to be his assistant, and I said, hey, I'm, I'm calling to confirm Mr. Blank's appointment for this Thursday at 9. And they said, oh, no, we've got him on the books for Wednesday at 11. I went, oh, you're right. I'm sorry. I'm looking at the wrong calendar. Sorry. I will see you Wednesday. And I told my mom, I'm skipping school Wednesday. You're, you're going to take me to watch Mel Blank work. And she said, cool. So when we got to the studio, I told the receptionist that we were guests of Mel Blank, and she showed me which room he was in. And when I walked into his, his recording studio, um, I told his producer that we were good friends with the receptionist, and she said we could watch. And that's how I got to watch him work. That's that's pretty crafty. Kind of. You know, you know, I mean, when you're, when, you're, when you're a kid, you're fearless, but... You know, I was watching him work, and I'm thinking to myself, well, okay, he's still doing this character, so I need to get into the to the business of doing voices for cartoons and be prepared if this ever comes my way. So I called Hanna-Barbera, they referred me to a guy named Dawes Butler, who was a very successful animation actor, did, you know, all, like the, all the voices Mel Blanc did, and he was Yogi Bear, and Captain Crunch, and Huckleberry Hound, and Elroy Jetson. And I studied with Dawes, and I studied with anybody that offered a class. I studied acting for two years, improv for three years. And a, a week out of high school, uh, a friend of the family knew Casey Kasem and asked Casey to send me an autographed picture as a, as a graduation gift. And I sent him a thank you note, included my, my phone number. He called me up. He introduced me to his agent. And that's how I got my first agent in the business. And it took me five years of trial and error, hit or miss auditions, and occasionally working before I was able to quit the various day jobs and survival jobs and work as a full-time actor. So Casey Kasem was a big help in getting you into the acting business. Totally, yeah. You know, he, he, he asked me a whole bunch of business questions that were never covered in any voiceover class I took. For instance, he asked me if I had a demo, and I didn't. And he asked me if I was in the union, and I wasn't. So I made a homemade demo, gave it to him, he gave it to his agent, and his agent said, you're very talented, I'd like to represent you. But it happened to be one of, if not the top voiceover agent in, in the industry. He was representing Mel Blanc and, and Casey and Orson Welles and June Foray, and, and so I was able to secure a really great agent from the get-go. But again, it took me five years before I was able to make a living at this. And then it was, oh golly, Mel, that was in 87. Um, Mel Blanc passed away in 89, and I got... They, I had the, a great agent. I got the auditions, and after many callbacks, I did my first Porky Pig job in 1990 for a, a series called Tiny Toon Adventures. Very underrated show. It was fun. You know, it was fun. It was new. You know, it was the first time they'd ever used uh, new characters with the Looney Tunes franchise, so they had the classic characters on the first season or two just to be there as, a, as an anchor in case the new characters didn't work, but the new characters were brilliant, and they took off. 
And I think coming from someone you know who grew up in the 90s watching a show like Tiny Toon Adventures, the fact that it was kind of set in an academy or a school right. and having the classic characters like Porky Pig, like Bugs Bunny, being the teachers to these new characters, you know, I could kind of relate to that in a way. And I, I think, you know, a lot of kids who were my age probably felt the same way watching that as like you're in a way kind of being taught by these these iconic characters. It's it was a real risk just doing anything a with the classic characters, but also, you know, trusting that the audience would um, you know, appreciate and uh like the new characters, but you're right, the, the way they did it was really, really smart. Before we continue this fantastic conversation with Mr. Bob Bergen, I have to remind you that for you, the listeners of the Derek Diamond Experience podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. And they have a ton of books to choose from, over 180,000 of them. That's like four lifetimes worth of books. I'm currently listening to Star Wars Bloodline, which is a fantastic book. They put a lot of production behind the Star Wars books. It's not just someone reading. You hear the music, sound effects. You really feel like you're in the Star Wars universe, and I think that's a a fantastic thing. If you're a Star Wars fan, definitely check it out. They have other books as well from autobiographies. They have Lord of the Rings, Divergent, Mass Effect, Halo, all types of books for everyone to listen to. And to get your free audiobook and 30-day free trial, just go to audibletrial.com slash nerdcave. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash nerdcave for your free audiobook download today. Now, kind of moving away from voice acting a little bit, there was something that I, when I was reading your bio, something I wanted to ask you about that I think is really cool. You worked as the grandstand host of the Hollywood Christmas Parade. Yeah, for, for about 10 years. How was that experience? Pretty surreal. I mean, it, it's it's a it's an annual thing. It's been going on for decades here in in Los Angeles, and I don't know if I got involved the very first year they did this for the folks in the grandstand. But basically, I'm on the streets uh, warming up the audience before the parade starts and interviewing the celebrities as they go by my little area. The people who watch at home have you know the on-air commentators, but the people in the grandstands. I guess it was fun to watch them drive by waving, but to have somebody there who could actually interview them was really cool. I never got any information as to who was in the, in the parade until I got there. So it was pure improv. Um, I, you know, I knew who Jimmy Stewart was. I knew who Arnold Schwarzenegger was. So I remember one year was the first year Star Trek The Next Generation was on the air, and they had a big float that was like the Enterprise, and that was just really, really cool. But... I don't even remember if the show had debuted or not. It might have, but it wasn't, it wasn't well known. So here were all these new actors, new characters on this new version of Star Trek. So for me, as a fan of television, it was just a blast. Kind of going off on that, you had the opportunity to interview a ton of famous celebrities, including you know, Halle Berry, Sammy Davis Jr., Mickey Rooney. What was the whole interview experience like? It was fun. I got, I, I, you know, they're moving cars, so I'm walking with them as they move, and I've got a cord that has limited slack. So there were many times I was like, well, this interview's over because I don't have a mic anymore. Um, one time, one time I was, I, I, every once in a while I would try to sit on the edge of the car and interview them that way, and one time I, 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 over, I overjumped, and I landed uh, on my back inside the car with John Ritter and his wife, Amy, 
kind of looking up her dress, but I kept going. I had the microphone. I said, well, folks, uh, from this vantage point, uh, uh, I'd like to introduce uh, Amy Asbeck and John Ritter. So, you know, I had some really fun experiences, and unfortunately, nothing on videotape. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, you know, it was, it was before camera phones and whatnot. So, um, yeah, I was just uh, having a grand old time. I didn't do it for the money. I did it for, for the fun of it. Now, kind of moving back into the voice acting, in addition to being an actor, you also uh, teach a voiceover workshop. I do. Uh, how did you get into that? Good question. I had no desire to be a teacher. Um, <laughs> I was doing a play, and in my bio it said that I do voiceover, and a guy knocked on my dressing room door afterwards one night and said, I'm opening up a school. Would you like to teach? And I said, not really, but thank you for asking. And then about, I don't know, a month or two later, um, I got a phone call from... Uh, SAG Conservatory, uh, which is you know Screen Actors Guild, and they have uh, they have classes and workshops for for members. And somebody had recommended me, and I said, well, what do you what do you what do you pay the teachers? And they said nothing; it's a volunteer thing. And I said, what do you charge the the students? And they said ten bucks a year, and they get classes every night. And I thought, well, this is great. If I suck at this, then I won't have guilt by taking their money. So I did that for a while, and then I thought, well, I'm pretty good at this. So I went back to the school, and I said, yeah, I, I'll teach some classes for you. And I did that for about a year, and then I went out on my own and started doing my own classes. And this is my 30th year teaching, so um, I've been doing it for a while. I do three classes a year in Los Angeles, and I travel the country doing weekend classes. i got classes coming up in Austin and Seattle and I think Washington, D.C., and an advanced class in August with Colette Sunderman, who is an animation casting director. And if people are interested in my weekend classes and they want to get their name on a wait list or whatever, uh, if they go to voclassbooking at gmail.com, they can pop a note to my producer, Marion, and she will get in touch with everybody. Now, kind of going back into voice acting, do you have any other, uh, do you have any upcoming projects? Uh, let me think what I can talk about, because the, the thing is you sign a non-disclosure agreement for the, almost every job you do. Um, I'm recording a new series called New Looney Tunes right now, and um, that hasn't even debuted yet. It actually debuted uh, last year with the name Wabbit, and it, it's being, uh, I wouldn't say retooled, but um, continued and they've changed the name to New Looney Tunes, and that'll be hopefully coming on the air within the next few months. I, I honestly don't know what their plan is. Um, I just did another episode of Robot Chicken. I worked on the new Smurfs movie. Um, uh, what's out right now? Um, let's see. I worked on Trolls. I worked on Secret Life of Pets. I worked on Minions. Uh, I've been busy. Oh, definitely sounds like it, but hey, busy is good. Yeah, I've been busy. Life is good. Absolutely. Now, do you have any advice that you'd like to give to anyone who wants to become a voice actor? That the, the most important word in that is actor. It's not about voices. It's about what you do with those words. A script is a skeleton. Your job is to give it a body. It doesn't matter that you can do 500 impressions or 500 different voices. Can you make those characters come to life? Can you act? Um, and my advice to anybody is study acting and improv and then study voiceover without a solid acting foundation, you won't know what to do with those words in a voiceover class. If you want to work in animation, you've got to live in Los Angeles. This is where it's cast, and this is where it's recorded. Um, but they hold auditions every single day because they're always looking for the next big thing. 
So uh, if it's your passion, it's your dream, I don't care what your dream is, go for it. Regret is a horrible thing to have later in life. Uh, failure is a lot easier to deal with than, than regret. So um, people interested in this industry today have something I didn't have, which is the Internet. And they can go to VO Buzz Weekly or Talk and Tunes and watch two, three, four hundred interviews with the top animation casting directors, actors, agents, and really learn the business of the business where, you know, when I was living in the Midwest, that wasn't, it was impossible. So it's a really great time to even just research and dabble this industry. Great advice. Uh, last question, do you have any uh, website or social media info you'd like to plug so the listeners can follow you? Oh, sure. Yeah, thanks. I've got, I've got it all. I've, my website is BobBergen.com. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at BobBergen. Uh, I've got a Facebook fan page. My personal page is kind of at its limit, but yeah. I, I have a, a weekly uh, Facebook Live video podcast that I do if I'm not working or auditioning. It's every Monday at 12.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. It's called Ask the Pig, and I spend an hour answering video questions live from business questions to creative questions. So um, you can follow my page on Facebook and participate in that, and the videos live on my fan page all the time. I think I've got about 13 of them up. Fantastic. Well, Bob, thank you very much for taking the time to do the interview. It was great talking to you. You bet. My thanks again to Mr. Bob Bergen for taking the time to do that wonderful interview. Be sure to follow him on social media to find out what he'll be up to next. And also, don't forget to check out past episodes of this show on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, iHeartRadio, and Google Play. Just search for The Derek Diamond Experience and leave a five-star review. You can also follow me on social media. I'm now on Instagram. Just search for at Podcast on Instagram. Every week, I post a 60-second preview of that week's upcoming episode and other random pictures as well. Instagram's been a lot of fun. Search for The Derek Diamond Experience on Facebook. You can follow me on Twitter. My personal page is at Derek underscore Diamond. And the show page is at D Diamond Podcast. And I believe that does it. So enjoy the rest of your week. Have a safe and fun weekend. Thank you for tuning in to another amazing episode of The Derek Diamond Experience. I'm your host, Derek Diamond. And we'll see you guys back here next Tuesday. Listening to a Nerd Cave Network production. Are you looking for new original music? If so, you should check out my close friends, the Unicorn Wranglers. The Unicorn Wranglers are very important to this podcast. They're a local indie rock band based right here in Pensacola, Florida, and they supply the theme music that you hear at the beginning and end of each episode. And the song you heard today is D Rock from their upcoming album Thunder Snow, which will be out very, very soon. But you can check out some of their past music on Bandcamp. Just go over to Bandcamp.com and search for the Unicorn Wranglers. And you can find Murder Mystery Night, 95 Flannel, and their EP Atomics for free. That's my favorite four-letter word, free. You can also follow them on social media. They're on Twitter and Instagram at U Wranglers. 
search for the Unicorn Wranglers on Facebook, and finally, be sure to check out their website, unicornwranglers.com.